is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us this morning. It is Wednesday, August 9th, 2023. Wednesday, we're halfway through the week, sliding toward the weekend. Hope you're already starting to prepare yourself for church on Sunday. Uh, This is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to Scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the audio podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. Now, looking at my monitor here, I see that for some reason the live stream is not going to rumble this morning. Rumble I have to set up every day. And I set it up this morning, just like I always do. You have to get a new stream key and a new URL to stream to every time. Um, it's not like uh, Twitter and Facebook where I just set it up and I hit I hit stream and I go straight to my Twitter and Facebook accounts. Rumble is different. I have to set it up every day. I set it up this morning. Everything seemed to go well. Excuse me. Everything seemed to go well, and uh, and I have it all set up. I, I, I set it up into Restream, um, which is the service I use to split my stream between all the, the platforms, and everything seemed to work well, but for some reason, it's not going through. So I am recording. I will upload this, so this will be available on Rumble, but it'll be a little bit later than normal because I have to, it has to compile and all that stuff that you do when you upload a video. And out here in the Piney Woods, we do not have blazingly fast internet connections. So it takes, uh, it takes a long time to upload a video. And uh, so it will be later today before it shows up on Rumble. But we are on Twitter and Facebook right now, and then the audio podcast will be up right after we're done. So just a little inside baseball and stuff that's going on right now. Hmm. Montana Coffee Trailers Traders Glacier Blend. Ah, oh, good stuff. All right. No, we are not sponsored by Montana Coffee Traders. Although if they want to send me some free coffee and, you know, in, in uh, what is it, in uh, for promotional considerations? Isn't that how they always used to say it on the game shows? <laughs> um, but no, we have no official uh, product placements on Squirrel Chatter. Um, uh, I don't even, I don't even advertise mouse food for Fiona, who is napping right here in the corner of her tank, her tank, which gets cleaned today. She has moved all that paper around, made little mounds, and her little wall 
she builds this wall against the the end of the tank and then she sits right up against the glass anyway so but hey mouse cute we like her all right what do we got coming up today we have prayers from the book of common prayer we have a reading from john macarthur's daily readings from the life of christ and our study Bible level Bible study of Deuteronomy, we're looking at chapter 14, verses 22 through 29 today. We are going to be talking about tithing. So that's going to be a good study for us this morning. All right, let us begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now our reading from Daily Readings. From the Life of Christ, Volume 1, and our um, devotional today is entitled, Dealing Radically with Sin. If your right hand makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Matthew 5:29 and 30. Dr. MacArthur writes, We must be willing, as Jesus teaches here, to relinquish whatever is necessary to protect us from evil and preserve righteousness. Mutilation will not cleanse our hearts, but Jesus' figurative words call for dramatic severing of any impulse that could lead to sin. Cross-reference Matthew 18, 8 and 9. In other words, we must deal radically with sin. As Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. If we don't purpose to carefully control the worldly influences around us, they will control us. Those we can't control we should not hesitate to discard. Cutting off harmful influences will not necessarily and automatically turn a corrupt heart into a pure one. But just as external acts of murder or adultery reflect internal hearts of sin, the outward act of fleeing sinful effects reflects the inward attitude that seeks holiness and God's will rather than human pleasure. Jesus reminds us again that his standards of righteousness are humanly impossible to attain. We have all been murderers and adulterers in our hearts, and often we don't realize this because of sin's subtlety and blinding effect. But the impossibility of measuring up to divine standards 
points to our need to receive a new heart and turn over our helplessness to his sufficiency. Ask yourself, how have you practiced this kind of severing in your Christian life? What familiar sins and seductions have proven so injurious in your past? It's best if they're ne- if they're just never in the same. <laughs> what familiar sins and seductions have proven so injurious in your past that it's best if they're just never in the same room with you? That's uh, wise. Sometimes you just have to. Uh, you know, there's there's resisting temptation, and then there's avoiding temptation. And sometimes it's good to know what temptations are so strong in your life that you're better off avoiding them entirely. Don't go to certain places. Don't be with certain people. Don't partake in certain activities if there is a temptation to sin there that you find hard you know, almost irresistible. Just avoid those places. Avoid those conditions. Um, Wise advice. All right. Our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right, we are looking at Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 through 29 today. And as I said, the subject is tithing. Um, Now, the word tithe means a tenth. Okay. So let me, let me read this to you. You shall surely tithe all the produce from what you sow, which comes out of the field every year. And you shall eat in the presence of Yahweh your God at the place where he chooses for his name to dwell, the tithe of your grain, your new wine, your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock, so that you may learn to fear Yahweh your God all your days. And if the distance is so great for you that you are not able to bring the tithe since the place where Yahweh your God chooses to set his name is too far away from you when Yahweh your God blesses you, then you shall exchange it for money and bind the money in your hand and go to the place which Yahweh your God chooses. And you may spend the money for whatever your heart desires, for oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink or whatever your heart desires, And there you shall eat in the presence of Yahweh your God and be glad, you and your household. Also, you shall not forsake the Levite who is within your gates, for he has no portion or inheritance among you. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out all of the tithe of your produce in that year and shall deposit it within your gates. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance among you, and the sojourner, the orphan and the widow who are within your gates shall come and eat and be satisfied in order that Yahweh your God may bless you in all the work of your hand, which you do. All right, there are several ways in which this has been interpreted. Um, One is that there are three tithes. There is a tithe 
that goes to support the Levites. There is a tithe that supports the temple feasts, and we'll talk about more of that in a minute. And then there was a tithe every third year to support the poor. And, and that's the general interpretation, and that's the one that I would follow, that there are three tithes every year. Now, some have said that there's, there's only one tithe, but every third year, that tithe, instead of going to the temple, goes to the, the city to pay for the poor. Um, and that's also a possible interpretation. But in any case, the tithe is, was, was required of Israel, um, whether it was one tithe or three tithes. I think it was three tithes, two a year, and then one every third year. The, 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 and we'll talk about that in a minute. So the Levitical tithe went to support the priests and the Levites who supported the people. The second tithe was used for the celebration of the worship convocations at the sanctuary. And then the third tithe was taken up to, to, for the poor. Um, Leviticus 27.30 says, Thus all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, or of the fruit of the tree, belongs to Yahweh. It is holy, holy to Yahweh. And Leviticus 27.32 says, For every tenth part of herd or flock, whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to Yahweh. So God has a claim to 10% of the produce of the land that it is holy and dedicated to Yahweh. So that's that first tithe. The second tithe, this is interesting, and this is the tithe that's being talked about here. It says, You shall surely tithe all the produce from what you sow, which comes out of the field every year, and you shall eat in the presence of Yahweh your God at the place where he chooses for his name to dwell, the tithe of your grain, your new wine, your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock, so that you may learn to fear Yahweh your God all your days. Um, this tithe, the second tithe, was taken to the sanctuary. And it was there that the worshipers ate it in fellowship with God. Um, and then it says, if the journey's too long, you can sell it and take the money. And when you get to where the temple is or where the tabernacle is, the place where, where God has set his name, when you get there, you can spend the, um, spend the money and buy whatever you want to eat. You know, it says, uh, um, if the distance is so great that you are not able to bring the tithe, since the place where Yahweh your God chooses to set his name is too far away from you when Yahweh your God blesses you, then you shall exchange it for money, bind the money in your hand, and go to the place which Yahweh your God chooses. And you may spend the money for whatever your heart desires, for oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink or whatever your heart desires. And there you shall eat in the presence of Yahweh your God and be glad, you and your household." So this is, uh, you know, as they were in the land and they're spread out, um, some people are just, it's too far away to take 
the the first of your grain and the first of your animals all the way to Jerusalem, you could sell them and take the money. And then when you got there, you would buy it for whatever you wanted and you would eat in the presence of God. Now, that's an interesting thing. You were to consider it. Now, I, I don't think that, um, let's be honest, eating 10% of your produce um, would be excessive. So I doubt if the worshiper ate all of it. Um, some of it was, you know, I mean, and when you read the the sacrificial laws, you know, portions of the sacrifices that were brought were always given to the priests. So the tithe went to the priests, and then when you brought sacrifices, then a portion of that went to the priests as well. So this was a tithe to support the convocations, more about that in a minute, the, the, the feasts where the Israelites were required to go to the tabernacle. Um, and there were three a year. We'll talk about that in a minute. But when you got there, you would, you would spend the money on what you wanted. You would feast. It was a time of feasting and celebration before God. And then verse 28 talks about at the end of every third year, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in that year and shall deposit it within your gates. Now, notice the way it says the produce in that year. And that's one it says people say, well, the, every third year, the tithe didn't go to the temple. The tithe went to your city. So, it, you know, but it, it, it really does seem to be three different tithes. So this tithe was deposited within the gates of the city to take care of the poor. It says the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance among you, and the sojourner, the orphan, and the widow who are within your gates shall come and eat and be satisfied in order that Yahweh your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. Um, it is not... Uh, you know, this, is, this is an important... You know, this was a social, yeah, it was a social welfare program. Those who were unable, now it, it's the sojourner, so it's someone who is, you know, for some reason they, they don't own property, they're not able to provide for themselves that, that this would provide for them. There's an awful lot we could talk about there. Um, I, I remember Paul's admonition in the New Testament, if a man will not, work, neither let him eat. So there is a, a sense in which the, um, the proportionment or apportionment of, of welfare, you know, it's taking care of those who can't work. It's not taking care of who won't work. And it might even be supporting those who are working but in their working, they're not earning enough or, or they're not, you know, their work doesn't provide for them. You know, um, you can think of some very hardworking volunteers who don't get paid for anything. And, and so this would help support things like that. So that's just a, a, a thing to, to think about that every third year, a tithe was brought to the city. Now, um, it seems that this was every third year 
on the cycle of seven years with the seventh year being the Sabbath year that was so the third year and the sixth year and then the the sixth year will be followed by a seventh the Sabbath year when the the fields were supposed to lie fallow the earth was supposed to get the land was supposed to get its rest and then you would start the eighth year would be the first year again and the third year and the sixth year would be this tithe um, to support the poor. So there were three tithes, one annual tithe that supported the Levites, one annual tithe to support the temple feasts. So the, the first tithe supports the temple and the priests and the Levites working in the temple. The second tithe supports the temple feasts. So what is this? The Levitical law required that every Jew had to go to Jerusalem on certain occasions. There were three feasts that required the, your presence at the temple or at the tabernacle, depending on the time of, of history. You know, so you know, originally the tabernacle, often to Shiloh, and then later to the temple in Jerusalem once it was built. So the Levitical law required every Jew to go to, we'll just call it Jerusalem, go to the temple three times a year. Passover in the spring, Pentecost 49 days later, and then in the fall, the Feast of Tabernacles. These were the three feasts that, that required the attendance of every Jew. This tithe, the second tithe, was to support those journeys. See, you have to take time. Now, a lot of people, it, depending on how far away from Jerusalem you lived, you would go for Passover, you would stay through Pentecost <laughs> before you went home because travel time was, and, and this was especially after the uh, um after the the captivity in the diaspora, after you know, when when you had Jews, all Jewish communities all over the the Roman Empire and the former Babylonian Empire and the former Assyrian Empire, that you know you had Jews from all over the place, and we see that in Acts chapter two that they had all traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover, they're still there at Pentecost. The reason was both of these feasts were required. And if you live far enough away, you couldn't go home and come back between Passover and Pentecost. So a lot of times you were there for, you know, 50 days, um, you know, a month and a half, almost two months out of the year in Jerusalem. You had to pay for that. You had to, you had to feed yourself. Now, you know, and you weren't, you know, you weren't renting an expensive Airbnb with a pool and all that stuff for, you know, most of the time you're staying with relatives or friends, but you still have to eat and you still have food on the journey to and from all of that. This tithe, this second tithe, because it's consumed by the, the, the worshiper and, and your household, it says, you know, you shall eat in the presence of Yahweh your God and be glad, you and your household. 
This is, and, and then it says, not, do not forsake the Levite who is within your gates, for he has no portion or inheritance among you. So this was also a tithe used to provide for the Levites as they were celebrating the feasts. So the tithe was to cover the expenses of those two or three annual journeys. And and that's a that's a you know that God had built that in to the system. So we got the first tithe supports the temple and the priests, the second tithe supports the 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 expenses of traveling to the, the annual feasts, and then a third tithe, which is taken up every three years, to support the poor. Now, there's several different ways to figure this, um, and believe me, volumes have been written on how the tithe worked. And depending on how you measured it, it worked out to be between 19.5% a year to 23.3% a year. And how that works is do you, when you take out the first tithe, is your second tithe over the total or is your second tithe over the 90% that's left? And then on the third year, is that third tithe over the 80% that's left, or is it a, again a tenth of the hundred? So that's the that's the difference in the figuring <laughs> between nineteen and a half and twenty three and a third percent income uh, every year, but roughly twenty percent, which is equal to the one fifth tax that Joseph had instituted over Egypt, and so that you know the in the in the the years of plenty to get ready for the years of famine the Egyptian government took one-fifth of the produce every year and saved it up so that they would have enough during the years of famine and you know a 20% tax rate doesn't overburden anybody that's a that's a, a good tax rate I wish our taxes were that low um and and a 20% tax rate made Egypt the wealthiest most powerful nation on earth at the time so something to think about now the other question that always comes up whenever tithing comes up is should the christian tithe does the tithe apply to the christian Nowhere in the New Testament is the Christian commanded to tithe. Tithing is only mentioned in the Gospels, and it's only mentioned in the condemnation of the Pharisees and Sadducees and their legalism. Then, you know, Jesus says you are very careful to tithe the smallest you know, amount of dill and cumin, the spices in your spice rack. You make sure you tithe from, but you um, neglect the weightier matters of the law. Um, and that's, you know, that's the only mention of tithe in the New Testament. Uh, so nowhere in the New Testament is the Christian commanded to tithe. We are told to give, and we're given some guidelines for giving. First, 
it needs to be regular. It's not at a time when you feel particularly generous. It needs to be regular. In 1 Corinthians 16, 2, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. He's telling them he's coming, and and he tells them to take up a collection. Um, now, specifically, this collection was for the uh, church in Jerusalem who was undergoing some hard times and needed some help. And he says, on the first day of every week, each one of you is to set something aside, saving whatever he has prospered, so that no collections be made when I come. So basically he's saying, put a little bit aside every week so that when I come, I can. we don't have to you know, get a large amount to take with us. It'll already be there. But notice on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, that was the regular time of the gathering of the church. It's not legalistic. It's not a Sabbath day. We talked about that when we were talking about the Ten Commandments, and I can point you back to that to reference that. But on the first day of the week, set aside something. So it should be, you know, regular. That every week, put aside something for the work of the Lord. Which is, you know, when you gather to church, put something in the offering plate. Um, it should be regular. Also, it should be purposeful and proportional. What do I mean? Second Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must do just as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So it should be um, proportional. Back in 1 Corinthians 16, it says, saving whatever he has prospered. Or as it said in other, it's translated in other ways, saving in according to how God has prospered you. So wealthy people are going to set aside more money than poor people because wealthy people have been prospered by God more. Um, so it should be proportional and then it should be purposeful. It's what you purpose in your heart to give. There's no set amount. It's, it's what you purpose in your heart to give. So proportional, so setting a percentage, you know, if you want to tithe, go for it. You're just not required to give 10%. You can give 20%. You can give 50%. If you, I mean, if you're, you know, I, I have heard, I don't know any personally, but I have heard of wealthy people who give 70, 80% of their annual income to their church because they paid for their house. They paid for their car. They pay their taxes. They buy all their food for the year and they have a lot left over because God has prospered them. And that's a, that's a marvelous thing. Other people are living paycheck to paycheck and 10% might be too much because, you know, 10% might mean you, you don't pay your bills. So, you know, you might, it might be 1% because God has not prospered you greatly. But it should be proportional to how he has prospered you. So the more he has prospered you, the more you should give. And it should be as you purpose in your heart. It should be done out of worship. It says not grudgingly. You know, oh, I better give something to the church. That's not the attitude. This would be because you want to, 
Now, as a you know, it may be one percent because you're you're struggling financially, and and you may want to give more, but that's what you can afford, so that's what you give. Other cases, you know, like I said, if you're wealthy, give more, but it's purposeful, it's deliberate. You decide. Don't do it grudgingly. Don't do it under compulsion, meaning. You know, it can't be forced from you. I have heard of churches. I kid you not. I have heard of churches that require church members to present their tax return every year to the church to ensure that they are giving 10% of their income annually to the church. I've heard of it. I've never been a part of that church. I wouldn't be a part of that church, but I've heard of churches like that. Um, that's under compulsion. That's It's a requirement <laughs> that you do something like that. You're being forced to do it. Um, but it shouldn't be grudgingly. It shouldn't be under compulsion. It should be cheerful. God loves a cheerful giver. So, you know, give... As God prospers you, as you purpose in your heart, regularly and cheerfully. But the tithe is nowhere required. Um, and I mean, if you if you if you want to follow tithing, it's you know nineteen and a half percent, or twenty three and a third percent. It's not ten percent. So you know, it, it's we're not under the law. Now I have heard this is. I've heard people justify the 10% by saying that first tenth was holy to God, and that was for the support of the temple, so that tenth is still holy to God, and it is for the support of the gospel, so every believer should give 10% to the church. The other tithes were for other purposes, and they were not declared holy to God. I, yeah. Um, I think they're reaching uh, anybody who, you know, anybody who is legalistically proclaiming tithing, I think it's a manipulative tactic, and I don't think it's scriptural. Um, but you should give to the support of the ministry as God is purposed in your heart. And, you know, you know, and, you know support your local church first. Then, if if you're still financially solvent, you know, if you want to support some other ministries on top of that, that is entirely up to you. It's as you purpose in your heart. It's not grudgingly or under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. Start with your local church. And then, as God has enabled you, you can support other ministries for the gospel and the glory of God. But tithing is not required. The, there's no set percentage. Um, as somebody said, we're supposed to, to you know, conform to the uh, image of Christ, and he gave everything. So if all of life is to be lived in worship to God and in service to God, and everything we have is God's, you know, we render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and we render unto God the things that are God. We pay our taxes, we pay our bills, and then we 
support the ministry. And that's that's that. All right. Let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Collect for the Tenth Sunday After Pentecost Almighty and merciful God, it is only by your grace that your faithful people offer you true and laudable service. Grant that we may run without stumbling to obtain your heavenly promises. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A collect for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us safely to the beginning of this day. Defend us by your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor run into any danger, and that guided by your Spirit we may do what is righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now the colic for the unrepentant. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven among men by which they must be given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Wednesday morning. I bid you the best of days. Remember, at lunchtime, you're halfway through the week. As you go through the day, do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. And whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.